Hello and welcome to Switch It, the podcast that knows a thing or two about getting hammered in Cardiff. It's been a busy old week or so with test match action in Bristol and Southampton, followed by the start of the white ball summer over in Wales, as well as the usual hokey-cokey with the covers. Summer's coming, the Euros are here, and three lions can be heard wherever you go, as England turns its focus onto the next big event next Tuesday, an ODI versus Sri Lanka at Durham. Join me, joining me to pick through the discarded plastic beer cups after a night on which Edgbaston was invaded by a cohort of rowdy students. We have ESPN Quick Info UK editor Andrew Miller back from bobbing on the Solent in the wake of the good shop, Kane Williamson, and associate editor Matt Roller, who can still pass for an NUS cardholder but had to make do with DLS calculations at Sapphire Gardens last night. Uh, hope you're well, chaps. Uh, Miller, what was more frustrating for you? Two full days being washed out in the World Test Championship final or two overs being lost during England's rather ragged chase in the second T20 last night? Well, I mean, it was it was pretty futile for whole whole swathes of that match down in, down in Southampton. But uh, it all worked out in the end, so I'd have to say the two overs because, frankly, it was back on free-to-air TV. This was a big chance for, for the BBC to give give the big up to the greatest sport in the world, and it was all a bit dull. Uh, whereas, of course, test, the test champ- World Test Championship got the perfect finale, perfect delayed gratification. You know, you have to you have to wait wait for your rewards in test cricket, and so it was a perfect. Uh, exercise in that uh, so yeah uh, absolutely ideal result on one hand and pretty dull on the other <laughs> and uh, we were also denied what looked a nailed on uh, early finish um, <laughs> by England threatening to uh, balls it up um, Matt you, you wrote about this opportunity for England to grab the public's attention last night um, how did how did you think that went in the end yeah well it, I think the whole series really is Felt a little bit, um, you know, after the Lord Mayor's show. Really, the first first game of the series, we had uh, we had in the press box, we had Ross Taylor hitting the winning runs while Chris Wokes was midway through his first over in a T Twenty I shirt for six years, um, with with no one really paying much attention to it. And then, uh, yeah, last night, I feel like it, as I say, it missed opportunity um, from England. I thought uh, I wrote a piece before the game saying I hope they would, you know, bat first on a fresh pitch, put on a bit of a show for the, the casual punters and all this sort of thing. Pick Moeen Alley, which they've refused to do for the 10th time in a row, and none of it really happened. Um, you know, it was a pretty turgid pitch, I thought. Um, Jason Roy was shaking his head a lot when balls were lifting up from a length, all that sort of thing. Uh, same pitch they'd used the previous night. Um, and, yeah, it was a, a, a pretty unconvincing run chase, but um, in a sense, at least they potentially learnt something with a uh, relatively composed finish from Liam Livingston and Sam Billings, which wouldn't have been the case if they'd knocked them off in uh, 15 overs, as uh, potentially looked likely at, at the interval. Valuable lessons learned at the very least. And clearly cricket is doing something right, given the amount of people desperate to get on the field in Birmingham last night. Uh, although you suspect that might not be the publicity the ECB is after. Um, let's stick with the uh, the T20s to start with. England have already won the series um, after just two days. 2-0 uh, up with one to play against Sri Lanka. It's not been a, a firecracker of a contest to drag the uh, focus away from the football miller. Um, but we have seen perhaps why England are ranked where they are in the shortest format. Yes, um, we, what, we do, what we have seen is some Exceptional bowling, to be fair. I thought I thought Mark Wood was breathing fire once again, and Adil Rashid has, has is 
I mean, it's still beggar's belief that he can't get an IPL contract, but I guess it's a bit cold to Newcastle taking a, a leg spinner out, out to out to India. It's, it doesn't exactly lack them over there. Uh, but, I mean, the versatility that he's shown, I mean, Matt wrote about it in the first game, Owen Morgan getting funky with how he's using him just, just to find out what he can do. I mean, he, it's not as if he's never bowled at the death before, but, uh, you know, to use him right at the end, bring him on at 12th over and just run him straight through. Um, fascinating permutations. It gives England options, given, of course, that when they were out in India recently, he was, he was bowling in the power play. So he's a huge trump card for England and keeps, keeps, frankly, getting better with, with, with every game he plays. So, uh, with those two in place, Sam Curran, once again, um, he is really making a making a, a a real wild pitch for for a starting berth, having of course been a, in a bit of a battle with well, not really a battle given Moe never gets a look in, but you know this number seven uh, spare part option that England have got uh, such depth that that, uh, that they can afford to use him in that in that role. But he's risen to it, frankly. I mean, he bowled only two overs last night, but. Uh, Frankly, his his run out was was probably the, the the most stellar moment of the evening, uh, and then you know just just lording it in the final ball, whacking it for six didn't need to, but he came to the came to the party thought you know let's just lump it out of the ground because I can and he did, uh, so you know he's 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 got that big game ticker that he's picked up at the IPL, a uh, huge trump card for England. So between those three, uh, frankly. It hasn't really mattered that the batting. Uh, I mean, the batting hasn't failed. I mean, Josh Butler before his calf strain was looking looking superb, but um, hasn't really needed to come to the party at all, has it? But uh, uh, we saw, you know, with Jofra Archer as well when he was fit out in India. There is something about the that that triumvirate in particular, Mark Woods uh, as the as the third of them, and now Sam Curran as a utility option. Um, bare bones of a very very formidable bowling attack there. So. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to take away. Even though it was all a bit, it's all been a bit meh. It would just, as Matt wrote in his piece the other day, it would be nice to see England bat first. Just, just, just go hammer for tongs. Get, get a nice big. You know, I don't know how big you can go on these pitches, but show, you know, show, show what you've got um, rather than just dribble to the conclusion as we have a little bit in the last two games. Yeah, not notwithstanding the the weak opposition, um, England's bowlers shone. Um, at the the second uh, game, free to air, BBC Two proceeded in the schedules by flog it. Um, Sri Lanka's <laughs> batters might have done a better job if they'd attempted some of that themselves. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think um, you, you know Mickey Arthur spoke in the build up to the series about um, the position that Sri Lanka are in as a side, and I don't think. Um, anyone really expected them to do too much in this series in in all honesty i think that defeat last night was their 11th in their last 12 t20 internationals um they've used more players than anyone else since the last world t20 uh they basically are have been a bit of a shambles in t20 cricket for 5 years so i think it, they they kind of have the right idea that they need to settle these guys in back them try and give some role clarity um with people like guna tilaka and avishka fernando coming in at the top but you know I, they they really haven't been able to adapt to the pitches which is offered, have offered just a tiny bit for the bowlers and have been a bit too paced you can't really trust the bounce um and, you know, much as I agree that they should have shown a lot more attacking intent and tried to be more proactive in uh, hitting the gaps on the leg side with the, the um, boundary riders out and taking twos and that sort of thing in the middle, whenever they've tried to hit a boundary in the middle overs, they've managed to pick someone out at long on or um, deep mid-wicket. So I, I feel as though even 140 last night on, on that pitch, given it was pretty sluggish at times and then equally shooting up, 
um, for Chimera and Wood from back of a length. I feel like even 140 might have been vaguely competitive, but yeah, they just crumbled really and, and never, well, they never, there wasn't really anything to crumble because they didn't, you know, they didn't start, they, they didn't hit a boundary for the first seven and a half overs. So um, you can't really crumble if there's <laughs> yeah, nothing to but... fall away in the first place. But yeah, I, I think, um, I think, I think Mickey Arthur's got loosely the right idea and I think they've, uh, they've been positive signs with the ball. Um, Hasaranga's clearly a, a, a really good talent, the leg spinner. He's gone at four or five and over through this series and is a bit of a rock star with his dyed blonde hair and his bright blue boots and all this sort of thing. But um, And Shamira has bowled really well with the new ball. I thought Benura Fernando looked pretty good last night. But um, yeah, with the bat, they just, they're just lacking some, uh, I guess, some experience in the middle order potentially. Um, but yeah, they, they, they just look very light compared to um, what is a pretty strong England batting lineup. Mm, yeah, but a long way from the days when they uh, when they won the World T Twenty in twenty fourteen with sort of Kumar Sangakkara, Mahela, Jar Warner, Angelo Matthews, Dinesh Chandamal, all those sorts of names um, uh, beefing up the batting. Um, as you say, last night they didn't score a boundary during the power play. First time, first time England had managed to to achieve that as a, from a bowling perspective. I think in T Twenty internationals. Um, Adil Rashid didn't concede a boundary throughout uh, those two the, the back-to-back games. Um, Miller, you've already touched on on his importance. There was um, there's a sense that England are maybe um, beginning to to come together with their their bowling plans. Obviously, no um, no Archer at the moment. Um, no, no Ben Stokes, um, but Mark Wood with that pace in the middle. Um, Chris Jordan uh, is a reliable wicket taker, uh, and 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 we had. Options, I suppose, um, for Morgan with the return of David Willey and Chris Wokes, Miller. Yeah, Chris Wokes is a fascinating one, isn't it? I mean, uh, Owen Morgan was talking about it before the toss, saying that uh, he couldn't play two games in a row, which is just just big, biggest belief. I mean, you know, <laughs> he, this is a guy who was England's Test Player of the Year last year, and suddenly we're being told that, um, that he can't bowl four overs in consecutive days. I mean, does that mean is that is that basically the management saying that this is the end of Chris Wokes's test career? Because if you can't bowl four <laughs> overs back to back over the course of twenty <laughs> over the course of twenty four hours, how on earth are you going to bowl eight overs back to back over the course of two sessions of a test match? I mean, you know, I I don't understand the the minutiae of the of the workload management that's gone into that into that calculation. It may have just been a a strange bit of phrasing from Morgan, but. It, Felt like it was a subtext to it that you know we we do know he's had dodgy knees in the past and all the rest mm. of it. Um, I do understand there is an importance of workload management, but I mean, Christ, where 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 Wokes is concerned, he just he just doesn't exist anymore. Um, I I don't I don't understand the logic there at all. But that said, seeing David Willey back was 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 good. Uh, I I thought he was very harshly treated, not so much in being dropped from the World Cup squad. I could understand that decision in light of you know. Joffre Archer coming in, someone had to make way, and I think England had a bit more faith in Tom Curran as as a real sort of gun death bowler at, at that stage, the guy they might have to bring off the bench for a knockout game. I think he's lost a bit of his mojo recently, so uh, Willie's I think has improved as a death bowler as well. So uh, there's a, there's a lot to a lot I think that that makes sense in getting him back on board, and um, I'm I'm glad to see him given a chance, uh, and he, ca- he he did pretty well with it as well. So. Yeah, it, it's nice to see. I still get a bit confused about the the priorities that England have got for this series. I mean, 
I understand the importance of trying to get uh, get your best eleven out on the pitch and and get the continuity of, of of roles and all the rest of it. But I think that's more probably more a case for the bowling. I think um, where the batting's concerned. I don't, you know, you look at the way that England lined up at the moment and the heroes that came through, or, or relative heroes that came through last night, where batting con- is concerned in T20, it's almost, it, it, surely it's more advantageous to, to mix it up a bit more and give people opportunities to play rather than have the same old top three tonking it and, you know, you've got your, your guys in the middle like, like Billings barely ever getting a look in. You know, in some ways losing three in the power play was beneficial for England, but equally... You know, losing Butler was beneficial in a strange way because it forced them to to bring in guys who might not otherwise get a chance to get a look in. If you get to the World Cup in in a few months' time, and it's just been the same old, same old at the top, and Doe and Milan not quite performing in at number three, I'm sure Matt will will will, mm. will will come off his long run shortly on that on that front. Um, yeah, you end up with a situation where you haven't actually learned as much as you perhaps could have done. So yeah, where the bowling's concerned, I think England are going places. Where the batting's concerned. I think they've still got a bit more to learn, to be perfectly honest, because there's a lot that they already do know uh, about the people that they know. Uh, there's things that they, <laughs> Donald Rumsfeldian, unknown <laughs> unknowns, and unknown unknowns, and all the rest of it. There's a lot of unknown unknowns that are still to be known. <laughs> yes, um, hopefully Owen Morgan isn't um, resting on on a Rumsfeldian approach to the T20 World Cup. Um, in terms of of the batting, um, Matt, I mean, the, the, so this idea that England have kind of got the full strength squad, they're, they're being given Morgan is being given um, his preferred eleven or fifteen, kind of uh, you, you know, consistently, uh, you know, thumbing a nose at the test um, setup in the process, but. Um, he's sort of said for this series they're going to experiment a little bit and they're going to try some things out. Um, what have they been trying out? And should they have done some more trying out last night? I think you suggested they really should have um, changed the batting order um, given Butler. Uh, Butler was missing out with a, a calf injury, which may keep him out of the third game as well. Um, and we know what Jason Roy can do. Uh, we kind of know what Jason, Johnny Bairstow can do, although he doesn't. Um, open doesn't ha- have that opening role in the T20 side, but you've got people like Liam Livingston, um, who in the end uh, did play the sort of star hand lower down, but is an opener by trade. Um, could they have done a bit more of that in in what was a low chase, albeit it became a tr- slightly tricky one? Um, yeah, I think they could. I think this this probably comes back to the fact that T20 international series, which are generally three games. Um, it, and often quite sporadic as well in terms of the schedule, it's pretty hard to learn too much from that number of games. I think you saw in India, England got a lot out of a five-match series, for example, um, because uh, you have several different game situations. You have, you, you, you're setting a total a number of times as well as chasing a number of times. People, are, You can use people in different roles and sort of um, work out what suits best. You play, you know, normally would play on different pitches. Um, it, the Ahmedabad ones in March were, were pretty samey, but um, there was a, enough variety in the conditions that you could learn something from game to game. But I think it, one of the odd things with the three-match series is that, you know, by the time you've had that dominant win in the first game, you're already at the point of thinking, well, should, should we experiment or, it, you know, is that um, is that taking a team too lightly? And then if you if you go full strength for two games and then have a dead rubber, then you're making four or five changes and again, don't get so much out of it. So I think I think England 
it, yes, probably could have experimented a little bit more. I think um, it, just on the priorities note, I think the um, one of the intriguing things is that I don't think Morgan at any point until the IPL's postponement had expected to have a full strength team for this series. He was saying in the, you know, he said at the end of the in- India series that he he wasn't expecting to have a, a first choice white ball side at any point this summer. Um, and I think especially, um, yeah, I think that this would have been a rest period for the all format players um, after the IPL. Obviously, circumstances have changed. Uh, people like uh, Archer and Stokes are injured. Um, it might have been a chance to look at someone like Reese Topley, who's also injured, Saki Mahmood, who's also injured, etc., etc. Um, so it, it has felt a little bit like they're playing it safe, but equally, I completely understand why when you're paying someone like Chris Wokes, you know, the best part of a million pounds a year um, for on an all-format central contract and he's not got on the pitch all winter, why you'd want to bring him in sort of out from the wilderness just, you know, to have a look at him and check he's all right as much as anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think in terms of the batting last night, I, you know, I, I think I said during the interval, I'd have opened with Milan and Livingston because I think, um, you know, England are going to open the batting with Roy and Butler in the T20 World Cup. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think in terms of the guys that there is a little bit more scrutiny or uncertainty over their places, um, having the opportunity to face the new ball, which was doing a little bit um, on a tricky pitch uh, and sort of having that responsibility um, would have been uh, a good option. It didn't matter too much in the end because I think England did actually learn a fair bit from, I think Livingston, you know, 29 off, 26 balls, not out, one six, no fours. It it's, doesn't sort of scream. Uh, you must pick me for for the next ten games. But I think it's enough to show that he's adaptable and can uh, slide down to number six, which isn't a role he's done a, a huge amount in domestic T Twenty cricket. Uh, and again, Billings, you know, you're cautious of praising someone too much for getting twenty four off twenty nine. But I think uh, you know, I just just um, doing a press conference with him this morning where he was saying in previous uh, in the same situation. But during previous opportunities, he would have tried very hard to make a statement, make an impression and probably taken on some options that weren't the right ones on that pitch last night. Um, because that that run chase was all about knocking the ball into gaps, taking ones and twos uh, and building the sort of partnership that they did, which I think was 54 off 46 balls. Um, you know, not going to empty too many bars, but uh, solid enough and get them over the line. So I think they they probably did learn that those two are... Um, they probably already knew it, but it's just proof that they have some kind of ticker and um, they're, pro- they're potentially competing with one another for a spot in the T20 World Cup squad. Um, but yeah, I think much much as I'd love to say England should have picked all sorts of wild cards and learned loads more from it, I think at this point, when they're on the home straight, there's only, I think, four games probably until they name their squad in this format for the World Cup. I don't think there's, there's too much to be gained by putting in wild cards and seeing how they go for a, a very limited number of games. No no chance for Sam Hain just yet then. <laughs> um on the uh on the on things we we are uh, sure about uh, Butler opener uh, um as you've touched on there Roy and Butler expected to be that opening partnership. Butler now averages 53 opening the batting in T20Is. He's got nine 50-plus scores there, which I think is more than anyone. Um, Alex Hales uh, is the other man who uh, who isn't getting a go at the moment, uh, who had uh, who has eight. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Butler, 68, uh, not out, sort of took them home in that first game. Uh, missed out last night. Um, but one... So he's... he's 
he's a dead cert. We we don't need to to worry about him, uh, Miller. But um, David Milan, uh, <laughs> Matt's uh, Matt's uh, favourite player in the in the setup. Uh, seven off fourteen, uh, four off five. Um, he's looked he's looked a bit tentative. There's there's been. All that talk about his slow starts and um, the you know the ICC's number one T uh, Twenty batter as well, um, but with Moeen Ali on the bench uh, and Ben Stokes due to come back at some stage, wh- what should be the plan here? I mean, it's, it, it just it feels vindictive to say it because it feels as though we've been we we've all collectively been willing him to fail. I don't think it's I don't think it's anything anything to do with that. I just don't believe anyone who has watched cricket that closely has actually believed that Milan is as good as his numbers have been. And I don't think I don't think that's a slight at all on what he's produced. It's a slight on what England are going to need come used pitches in the UAE probably and a player who is exceptional at, at tonking the ball through the line when it's true. I mean, it comes back to what Ed Smith said and David Milan was, was pretty miffed when Ed Smith said it a couple of years ago. He said that his, his game is probably more suited to hard, bouncy wickets in Australia than than, than elsewhere and, and, and therefore, you know, after playing a decent hand in the Ashes, he didn't really feature in, in, in England's test plans thereafter. But there was a grain of truth in what Smith was saying, believe it or not. And the way that, that Milan has played both in India and on some unhelpful pitches here has been has looked cagey. It's looked it's looked tentative. It's it, it's looked like a like a he's got a he's got a position on you know he's worked bloody hard to get that that number three berth. He had to fight. You know he made his debut the same series as Livingston in twenty seventeen. You know until a couple of years ago he had many ch- chances of Livingston since then. He, he he really has muscled his way back in through through bloody mindedness and and bloody excellent batting. But I don't think. He's the right man for number three in the team that England have put together. I don't think there's anything harsh in 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 speaking the sort of truths I think that, that Owen Morgan quietly thinks himself. I think there's an awful lot more sense in having players who are going to be reliably hit hit out or get out at number three, frankly. And Moen Halley is is probably is, is a classic of the of the genre. In the number of times he he will waft a first ball or second ball where through the line and sort of get a leading edge to cover is 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 quite groan worthy. But equally, you know, every now and again he'll smoke that same ball out of the park and he'll keep smoking it until he gets out for thirty from ten. So it's um <laughs> you know there, there there's an awful lot to be said for 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 just trusting the fact that when you do bat as deep as a guy like Sam Curran coming at number seven and you know he's not even the last of England's batsman. You've got David Willey at the moment, and you know Chris Jordan can lump it. Joffrey Archer to come back, who was a smoking sixes for fun in the IPL. There is, there's no point in just beating around the bush. I think I think there is an awful lot to be said for England having a number three who is going to follow the the Jason Roy template. I mean, Jason Roy is is Owen Morgan's favourite batsman by all accounts because Roy will never change his attitude to having a go. He will keep going for his shots and. You know, some days it comes off spectacularly, some days it doesn't. But, you know, go again, as uh, as Chelsea like to say. As Liverpool <laughs> like to say. Um, it's, it, 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 it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, but I don't, know, I don't think there's any anything to be gained from hiding behind the fact that Dan Milan's numbers are not quite as robust as they certainly seemed 18 months ago. Um, I'm... Can sense Matt itching to uh, use the term regression to the mean here. Um, <laughs> how uh, how can you um, 
Melansplain for us, uh, a T20i average of 46.09 and a strike rate of 142.01, Matt. Well, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think um, you know, I've been I've been sort of talking about Milan and um, the fact that I, I, my my constant sense throughout his T Twenty I career has been that he has probably been performing at an unsustainably good level, and I think there have been times where you've you know very much had to question that. And um, for example, he made that brilliant ninety nine not out um, in the third T Twenty in in South Africa at the end of that series to seal the the three 0 win you know, striking at 200, taking on all the matchups that didn't suit him, all that sort of thing, and just looking like the, the complete package. But since then, I mean, it, he's never been quite as consistently high-scoring and free-scoring, potentially because of the lack of batting beneath him, potentially because he has more opportunity pre- to prepare for international cricket. But he's never been quite as um, consistently good uh, in, in domestic T20 cricket as international T20 cricket, which seems like a bit of a disconnect. Um but yeah, in, in that time since then, uh, I think, you know, got the numbers was 22 innings in all T20. So that's across one IPL game, four in the blast, 10 in the big bash, seven for England, averaging 23 strike rate of 111, um, which just is completely out of kilter with England's way of playing T20 cricket um, and white ball cricket more generally, which is all about attacking and uh, exploiting the fact that they have an unbelievably deep batting lineup. Um, especially in a run chase when, you know, if, if there are a couple of situations in India, for example, I think in the final game of that series, they were chasing 200 plus. And it, while Milan played pretty well and got a, a good 50 at quite a good lick, um, it, it probably wasn't the right guy to be scoring those runs in that situation. And I think, um, you know, we've mentioned Moen Ali as a, a potential number three. I think, uh, you know, Johnny Best, though, could very easily shuffle up from the number four role that he's been filling recently. Um, and equally, I think he probably uh, won't do it in this series, but it would be very interesting to see if, if he were to come back and, you know, he's playing in the blast and everything. Uh, if he's fit enough for the Pakistan series, what Ben Stokes could do as a number three, because uh, we saw him hit a, a 99 in India. Uh, doing that role in the ODI team at a sort of a T20 strike rate. Um, and also, I think there's a general sense that England don't really know how to use Stokes uh, in the T20 side, or no, maybe no one does because, you know, he's, he's had uh, sort of up and down returns in the IPL for, for Rajasthan uh, and for Pune in the past. You know, he had a, a great season there, but since since moving to Rajasthan, um, he's been tried in a various various different roles um, and probably not quite nailed any of them. Uh, but he, I think he's shown a lot more as an opener um, and as a number three than he has as a finisher. And I'd, I'd be really curious to see whether England will even consider that for that Pakistan series, if they can get Stokes back in. You know, um, I think they'll be willing to um, give some rope to Milan because I think he, he probably... You know, I think it would be incredibly harsh to, to, you know, not pick him in the squad for the next series, for example, if he fails again uh, on Saturday. But I, I think it, it, you're coming to the point where, as we say, you know, use pitches. He's not great against spin. He struggled in India. The, the, I, I think it's a different conversation entirely if the World Cup was being played in in Australia on fast bouncy pitches. But I think for the conditions that we're likely to, you know, we're likely to see in the UAE or India or Oman or wherever it ends up. Um, I, I think it's very difficult at this point to make the case that Milan is England's best number three. Um, 
and and just as a sort of general poser, if you know, there's been a bit of talk about him potentially getting a test recall in recent weeks as a as an option for number three. I, I wonder whether England would be better served having him as their number three in the T20 World Cup or in the Ashes. And currently, I think I'd probably lean towards the latter. I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree with that. There we go. Um, the wild card selection uh, for the Ashes right there. Uh, we we talk about the... Ed um, Smith was right all along, you see. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the T20 anchor role uh, a bit these days, but you don't want, want one that's uh, weighing you down. Um the uh, Sri Lanka's score was not quite as under par as it looked in the end in that in that second match. It tested perhaps England's weakness on less than pristine surfaces. Um, Miller, what what do you expect um, from from the, the third game down in Southampton? And if it's a if it's a true pitch as you often get there, you know, will England be looking to strut their stuff again? Yeah, well, judging by the World Test Championship, that was a glorious pitch, to be fair. I, I really enjoyed the, the, the contest. I mean, it wasn't exactly a fast-scoring pitch, but there, were, there, were, there, there was, uh, certainly for the, for the bowling on display, it was superb. Um, I would imagine there'll be, there'll be good carry, there'll be good bounce. I think there'll be truer bounce than we saw in, in, in Cardiff as well. Um, so hopefully some rewards for, for lumping it through the line. Um, and, yeah, I, I would like, as I said, I would like to see England um, just... just yeah, bat first and and get show strut their stuff as you say. I think I I certainly think it. You know, with the, with the bigger boundaries as well. I think as there's more 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 reward for just yeah showing the power that that they do have. You know, they can clear the rope at will even on the biggest grounds in the world. So um, yeah, I'd like to see a little just a little bit more 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 excitement than we got in the in the Cardiff game. Cardiff is a, is a dreadful venue at the moment, isn't it? I mean, you know, there, there, there's just no two ways about it. Um, I don't know. It's never never been my favourite venue. To be perfectly honest, there's no 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 slight on the Welsh, but this this season, Jesus, the the, the pitches have been dreadful. And um, yeah, I think I think Matt alluded to it in his piece yesterday. If they're if they're like this for the hundred, uh, God help Welsh fire. It's not it's not going to be much much fun for 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 that franchise, or not franchise as they like to call it. Yeah, more free to air fun uh, <laughs> incoming. Um, Okay, well, well, with all um, with all due respect to England's T Twenty World Cup planning, uh, the contest most people were left talking about this week was the slow burning World Test Championship tussle between India and New Zealand, which saw everyone's favourite unassuming Antipodeans finally prevail in an ICC final. Um, when it wasn't raining, Miller, this was really uh, good stuff. Yes, when it wasn't raining. I mean, <laughs> that, 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 that's, a, that's, a, that's a caveat and a half. Um, but no, I loved it. I, 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 I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, you could tell even even in, the, in those first four days when, when it was just, just bubbling along or, or dribbling along, every time we got out on the pitch, we got an absolute treat. And it was, it was proper test cricket. It was proper hardcore Fast bowling predominantly, although the, you know India spinners did come into it in, 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 on occasions. But really, this was about the quicks on both sides. Carl Jameson is an utter unit. Um, <laughs> Neil Wagner is a beast. Um, Ishant Sharma is, is just is just rumbling through. Mohammed Shami finally getting the rewards that he that he so clearly failed to get in 2018. When I still don't know how England won that four one. I mean, they, they were the, they were they were outplayed for, for vast periods of, of the series and yet somehow 
burgled it on, on several little occasions. Little Sammy Curran, I think. Uh, well, yes, Sammy Curran, <laughs> Sammy Curran burgled it. And, and, if, and if, if, if Shammy had got the rewards, I think he averaged 38 in that series and then had stretched out to near 50 uh, by, by the early stages of, of this innings when, when he failed to get his rewards. But um, the, 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 the fast bowling on, on both sides was, was mesmerically good. And so, frankly, was Kane Williams's batting in both innings. I mean, that really set the game apart. He, you know, the way he calibrated the risks in, in both innings. So much like uh, the performance he put in the World Cup final, actually. I mean, he only made, what was it, 30 from 45 in the World Cup final. But he has this incredible innate ability to just gauge what is feasible and what is acceptable and what is necessary in any given circumstance. I mean, you think he, there was one stage in his innings uh, here, he, bat, he made seven from 75 balls in the morning session, I think on day Five was it? I, I lose track of time completely. But, <laughs> but there, you know, and that you could not argue that any one of those seventy-five deliveries was exactly the right shot for the right ball. Uh, India were hounding him. There was absolutely nothing that um, that New Zealand could do to win the game at that moment. I think they trailed by about one hundred and sixteen overnight, and therefore, if they'd had a clatter of wickets, which was perfectly feasible, they would have, you know, squandered a fifty-run. Deficit, which could have been absolutely pivotal. If you know, you know, you know the Rohit Sharma cut loose with a, with a bit of a lead. Suddenly, you're you're up against it. The only thing that Kane Williamson had to do in that moment was hang in there, and he had his had his um, his, his beast of a tail coming through to, to support him in the end and, and chisel out the lead that ultimately proved crucial. Uh, so you know the 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 fine margins and the and and the the intricate battles within battles that that, that panned out over the course of some pretty soggy action uh, was riveting uh, throughout and thank god we got that sixth day that, that just made it all worthwhile everything came good the sun came out the the birds started singing and the, and and everything's everything bloomed it was it was wonderful um yeah so yeah i had fun <laughs> it was um yeah it was knife edge stuff uh despite or perhaps also uh because of the uh the weather in some ways um we won't get too much into the detail of the game for that you can go and listen to our sister pod uh, stump mike but uh, firstly matt did you think the best team won and uh, and secondly was Virat Kohli right in saying you can't decide the best <laughs> team in the world via a one off match <laughs> two very interesting questions i think uh, <laughs> i think the best team won in that new zealand played better in the final and are probably the better of the two teams in english conditions um as for whether the best team won across the whole cycle, uh, very tough to say. I think New Zealand's 3-0 drubbing in Australia um, sort of 18 months or so ago might suggest otherwise, especially given India won there with a, a second string, really. Um, but equally, I don't think that's necessarily a, a, any reason to detract from the idea of having a World Test Championship. I think... Um, you know, in all sport, what we love is the, the uncertainty of it. And the reason that finals are staged is the, um, the idea of a one-off event. It doesn't necessarily have to crown the best team in the world. I, I think, um, you know, the rankings still exist and are running in parallel. And I think the reason for that is that um, it opens up the idea that someone can, can be ranked the best, you know, the number one side in the world over a certain period of time, but um, still be beaten on their day, which I, you know, I, I personally think is a positive thing. I think, um, yeah, on, on Coley's, on Coley's idea, I, I think in, in his defense, he was obviously getting a lot of, uh, 
he was getting pelters from various people for su- seemingly suggesting after the final, oh, maybe we should have had a best of three. Uh, like it was sort of a you know school child who had lost a rock paper scissors, but um, no, he, he I think he had said it in the build up to that final as well. He was consistent, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, to the point and of I think playing down the the whole yeah, thing almost. I think has always been a bit of a cynic about the the World Test Championship, which is a, a real shame, I think, because um, you know while I think the uh, obviously this first cycle has been. Uh, you know, there have been times where it struggled to capture the imagination, and I think the fact that, uh, that there was the change to the point system because of COVID and all that sort of thing has definitely um, has definitely weakened the case for it and made it a less uh, even or um, yeah, made it a less competitive league. I think the fact that you had those four teams competing towards the end and you had a run in, um, I, I think it would have been great if Australia. had gone on that tour to South Africa to sort of um, see England and when England were in India, it would have been great to have almost the, you know, live league table going as though it's the final round of group games at the Euros type thing. Uh, so I think I, I, I personally don't think there's a need for a best of three. I think it, there's there's a, a novelty in uh, a one-off game. And I think equally, there's probably not room in the calendar to carve out a whole month for a, a three-match final series. Um, and yeah, I think um, personally, I think that the, the first cycle has been about as much of a success as it could feasibly have been given the, the circumstances. Um, and yeah, very interested to see exactly what the, the ICC do to tweak the next one. In, I mean, in, def- in, de- in defence of Coley, um, I mean, I, I asked him the specific question, would you want a three-match series? Because there was nothing that he said that was was disingenuous. Nothing that he said that was snurgy or anything. I, I, I mean, you know, you could argue that perhaps he he sort of teed this up. He talked about it before the before the match as well. You could perhaps argue that he was teeing it up because he was sort of um, recognizing they were a little bit hostage to fortune here. You know, they, it's such a strong team on home conditions. Clearly, uh, you know, the, one of the one of the great Test teams that India have ever produced. But you know, coming over to England where they their record is not good, to be fair. Um, they probably recognise that facing the New Zealand side that had two tests against England and one really quite convincingly were going to go in as favourites. Therefore, perhaps he was hedging expectations with his comments. Um, but I don't think he was being ungracious in the way that he, he phrased it. I think he, you know, he was making the point that this is such an excellent event. Uh, this was, you know, such cl- clearly the quality of the cricket was so magnificent. Why wouldn't you want to see more of it? That was basically the point he was saying. And I think. You know, given given an opportunity, he he referenced the the best series of the uh, best series that we all remember uh, three tests. I think he presumably was referencing Australia, India, in in that, and five tests, which by 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 my reckoning would be the two thousand five Ashes. I mean, those are the ones that you you automatically think of as the great series, the great clashes of 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 recent generation sort of de facto world championship battles I would say and um, they they were compelling and all the better for being extended over longer periods so I think that was the point he was trying to make uh, realistically though I don't see any chance that that they could possibly create the window I mean, it's a bit like the situation happened in the 2007 World Cup isn't it you if you create a window and create an expectation you're going to get your your perfectly brilliant teams that are going to come in and 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 fill your fill your calendar you end up getting Ireland and Bangladesh for an entire super eights and um you know who 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 were the best one in the world wants to see that as a, as a world test championship final so um you know that that I think is the caveat Let's just enjoy the fact that this 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 event worked well. I think the sixth day was vindicated 
superbly. And um, next time, two years' time, as and as when we know the calendar and the competence and the venue, um, we'll be all the better set for having this as a precedent to fall back on and say, yep, this is something to look forward to. Let's, 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 um, let's hunker down because we know this is going to be good, good value. Yeah, much, much as the idea of a, a three-match series is quite mouth-watering because of how good the, the game was, I think uh, you know there's an, there's an alternative universe where that first final had been scheduled for Chennai. India had put up 600 and spun New Zealand out cheaply twice, and I'm not sure everyone would be so keen about the prospect of you know moving on to Mumbai or whatever for the second test. So, um, yeah, I think it, it, it was probably... Uh, in, in this instance, it would have been a great spectacle, but I don't think it's necessarily um, proof that it has to has to be the format in the future. Um, since so much of uh, what we talk about with regards to tests uh, is theoretical, was this uh, Miller? Was this a, a good advert for six day Test cricket or for four day <laughs> Test cricket or neither? <laughs> well, there's a question. Um, it was a good it was a good advert for just not not losing your before you've before you've reached the reached the conclusion um uh, frankly i mean some of some of the feedback we're getting in the in the early early days is like, england should be banned from hosting icc events this is a disgrace it always rains in england it's like mate there were four matches right now there were 48 in the world cup two years ago and um you know were you not entertained by the final i mean jesus uh, some people some people can't can't be pleased uh, but yeah i mean it's it, there's no legislating for rain, really. I mean, George likes to bang on about building a roof over stadiums, but honestly, I mean, come on. I mean, why on earth would you want to build a roof over over any any? Why would you put a roof over Lords? I mean, Jesus. I mean, and sometimes it does. Sometimes the sun comes out. Do you really want to sit in a in breathing recycled air on a glorious summer's day at Lords? No. So yeah, rule out the notion of a, of a, of, a, of a roof. Let's just let's just accept that sometimes it rains, but also. You know, with the drainage we have in England at the moment, it it it, it sometimes it dries as well, and you end up getting a, a, a getting the result you want. So that doesn't really answer your question. I'm I'm not I'm not averse <laughs> to four day cricket. I I think four day tests can work perfectly well. I mean, you know, the four day test in the women's four day test, I'm sure we'll come to in a minute, could have benefited from a fifth day, but it wasn't boring <laughs> for the fact it was four days, was it? It was it, 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 it you know it required it required a fine innings, fine defensive. Um, rear guard to to prevent a four day defeat. So you you can perfectly easily get cricket in four days. I mean, technically this was a almost three day test, wasn't it? Given <laughs> given the amount of amount of overs that were lost on some of the days. Yeah. Um, the one other thing I would say about this, though, I mean, and I wrote about it during during the match as well. Uh, the crowds uh, have to get have to say that the crowds for this this final, albeit they were reduced in you know four thousand capacity, they were superb, absolutely superb. There's absolutely no Nowhere else in the world. Leave, leave aside the rain. It rains everywhere. It was raining in St. Lucia the other day, wasn't it? You know, it does, it does happen. But leave aside that. Nowhere else in the world could have guaranteed a neutral venue with that level of passion among the fans. I mean, you, you, could, you could have got fans in. Would they have cared? Probably not. But would you, you know, when you've got, it was exclusively UK fans as well because of COVID. Um, the, the ICC confirmed that, you know, the tickets were only on sale in the UK. But there are enough Kiwis in the UK and certainly enough Indians. There are enough Bangladeshis, enough South Africans, there are enough Australians, enough Pakistanis, enough English, obviously, <laughs> and West Indians. <laughs> Any team that could have got to the final would have had a support worthy of that final and as we saw on that final day with the Kiwis waving their shirts around and, and lapping it up would it have been the same if New Zealand had been parading the mace around an empty empty stadium without any fans to, to, to share the moment with no it would not 
And so, you know, with all the all the griping about about England's weather, I think uh, the multicultural nature of the audience that the that this this test attracted uh, is is a huge vindication of hosting it in England. And um, I hope that you know future ICC World Test Championship finals will be considered to be held in England again for that very reason. I I I, I don't. I'm not saying it should be exclusively in England, but I think. It is a huge factor. If it's if it's about promoting the best of Test cricket, you need fans to to help usher that along because you know the atmosphere on that final day was electric and it wouldn't have been the same if it had been empty. Yeah, well, yeah, it it, it was a good advert for British crowds, not so much for the British summer, but we will all know the score there, I suppose. Um, and uh, doubtless, when the twenty fifty two WTC final is held in <laughs> Dhaka. Uh, and it pours it down. We'll still be having the same conversations then. Um, Matt, just finally, does does Test cricket now have context, and and how much of a difference does that make uh, to the viability of the game? That's a very good question. I think. Um, well, what I would say is that it's easier just, to just tell. The, you know, one sentence answer. It's easier to tell when there's not context than when there is context. And I think you could tell from those two tests that England played against New Zealand that there wasn't any contest. Therefore, New Zealand could rest some players in the second test, and England could use it as an opportunity to look at new faces. And it was all a little bit warm uppy. So I think um, while it isn't necessarily that easy to see uh, the context that the World Test Championship is providing while it's happening. I think when you strip it away, you probably can see more. I think the crucial thing for the World Test Championship moving forward is getting uh, those, you know, longer longer series and more games for the, the smaller nations. Um, and also, uh, I, I don't currently see the point in uh, the, the situation where Zimbabwe, Afghanistan, Ireland are test test nations in name only almost because they're not part of this championship. I think if you... if um, you know, I think you should have as many test nations as possible and when they're there, get them in, even if it's a second division or some kind of playoff to get in. I think you, you've got to get them involved. On, on, the, on, the, on the context note, I mean, the one thing I would say, I mean, obviously the, the permutations going into the into COVID and coming out of COVID, more to the point, were, were, were mangled and it was almost like Duckworth-Lewis calculations to, to get to a position where we could, could have two finalists. But a bit like Duckworth-Lewis... There's no real arguing with 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 the permutation. I mean, the two best teams, best test teams in the world, contested this final. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And as a consequence, whether you could split hairs and say, you know, Coley's men could have could have fought back or or won handsomely in Chennai or, or however you want to split it, saying unequivocally now that New Zealand are the best test team in the world doesn't feel wrong. And, and they are a magnificent team, and they—they they certainly, you know, we haven't even touched on the on the on the pain and heartbreak they've 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 had in in ICC events recently. Um, the resilience they've shown to to get to this point is magnificent, a part of the story as well. You know, the Test cricket is all about narrative. The Kiwis have brought narrative in spades to this to this um, to this final, and that's another reason why we should we should applaud it and and sing it from the roof, rooftops because it's a great story fundamentally. Uh, and and you know that that that's pretty much all I need to say about it really. <laughs> uh, well, very well said. Uh, good on good on the Black Caps. England can obviously um, feel a little bit better about losing to them uh, in their contextless encounter a few weeks ago. And I'm sure that we'll be delighted to see uh, to see India um, back for more Test cricket in a few weeks, fired up and uh, <laughs> waiting to prove that they uh, they are in fact the best team in the world, regardless of what the uh, 
uh, rankings and, and the uh, the mace says um, and improve that record in England. Um, it was a, it's been a, a full hamper uh, of Test cricket. We have touched on it. Um, England and India's women, uh, their encounter uh, in Bristol went uh, right down to the final session in their one-off match uh, last weekend. Um, that was the first women's Test outside of the Ashes since 2014. Matt, you were covering that game um, for quite a while. On the final day, it seemed as if England were going to put off pull off a famous win. Yeah, it did. It, it was a, a slightly odd final day, actually, because I think for, for the vast majority, especially given the, the scale of India's collapse in the first innings, I think there was just an assumption that they were going to crumble again and they were going to fall away. And then, yeah, Snay Rana played an absolutely outrageous innings, really, from uh, from the lower middle order on, on test debut, having taken some wickets as well. Um, yeah, and and I think uh, yeah, I think England will be, and I think they were a bit disappointed not to have been able to force the win. But also, I think uh, we have to bear in mind the context of uh, how, how tough that was for their bowlers who don't play well any red ball cricket outside of their occasional opportunities in in Test to. Uh, you know, ha- having enforced the follow on the idea of having to come back for more uh, on the final day. And, you know, you could see how knackered, for example, Sophie Eccleston was. She was holding her shoulder at one point. I think she took eight for in the match, but bowled a huge number of over 60 plus um, when she's used to doing maximum 10 in a day. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it, it was a, it, you, you know, mentioned the sort of the possibility of a fifth day. I, I think actually it, it was potentially more intriguing because of the fact it was a four-day test because I think England would probably have you know sorted it out in that on the final morning of a potential fifth day and also it's difficult to retrofit because you don't know how uh, decision making would have been different would they have enforced the follow-on if they'd had an extra day to to do it all this sort of thing Um, but yeah I think the the it, it was it was gripping. Um, I think the big problem was the pitch. Um, there was obviously a bit of a stink in the in the build up to it because of the fact that it had been used for thirty seven overs in a blast game uh, the week before, which you know uh, I don't think necessarily had a, a huge impact on how it played. But it was very slow and sluggish by the final day, uh, and as much as anything, it, it's a it's a terrible uh, look because it, it's something that would never happen in, in a men's test. Um, and I think, you know, it's been sort of the idea is that it's been parked as a, a learning experience and, and won't happen again. But I think uh, as much as anything, you just more than I think Ebony Rainford Brent was saying at one point you, that, the, you know, pitches are very important in the women's game in any format because you want something that offers a bit of pace and bounce and carry. Um, but it, never more so than in test cricket, where any test that gets played is sort of held up as this referendum on should women play tests or not. Um, and if if you get put on a pitch that doesn't really offer much for seamers, so you know someone like Kate Cross who gets very scarce opportunities to um, to bowl in Test cricket, ended up in this sort of very dull holding role where she was nagging away on a length, trying to hit the top of off stump time and time again, rather than having a bit of an opportunity to show off and you know nip a few away off the seam. There just wasn't really anything in the pitch. So um, yeah, I think the, the the pitch was the big problem and. Uh, there were a few mentions of the the ball as well using a kookaburra, and mm. it would be great to see Duke sort of come up with an international standard women's uh, ball, which they don't currently have because the women's is slightly smaller than the men's. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely um, it seems like women's Test cricket is going to be a more regular feature of the calendar than it has been because the BCCI 
um, sort of finally woken up to the fact that actually this might be quite a good idea and might be quite a uh, big area of growth for us if if we uh, put our put our not insignificant heft behind it. Um, yeah, well, as always, um, and particularly with uh, rare events like like women's testers, these um, uh, currents, undercurrents of uh, of uh, how quickly pe- uh, overs are being bowled, how whether the pitch is deteriorating, uh, whether it's entertaining enough, all these things are kind of uh, Miller that the. the uh, men's uh, test game doesn't have to uh, or isn't asked to balance um, uh, quite so explicitly. Um, but I mean, th- th- I mean, this was genuinely enthralling contest. Come, you know, come that final afternoon in India, where I think 199 for seven uh, following on, they were 34 ahead, um, 243 for eight at T. Um, and you, you still thought England, you know, two good balls and, and, and England would have been through and then you'd have had a, a bit of a run chase in the, in the, the gloaming at Bristol. Um, I mean, Matt's touched on it, uh, the, the merits of five day tests, um, for women, but is it just more important to get more test cricket in the calendar for, for the women full stop? Yeah, well, I'm just to, just to focus on the, on the five day v four, four day thing. I mean, as I, as I said earlier, I'm not, I'm not instinctively opposed to four-day test cricket for men. And this is actually, it's an interesting test case here, sort of having a four-day test that could have been a five-day test rather than a five-day test that could have been shrunk to a four-day test. I mean, most fundamentally, the follow-on. I mean, if this had been a five-day test, the follow-on would have been saved, wouldn't it? Because the follow-on would have been 200, not 150. And therefore, Mm. that automatically changes the tempo and the texture of the game. England go into bat again, then they have to try and work out what sort of a lead they need to need to need to post to to set a fifth a fifth day target? It changes the dynamics. Whereas here we here we had a situation where because of the constraints of time meant that that follow on mark was crucial. England really needed to to bowl them out in that in that first innings. And then, you know after after the start that Shafley Verma in particular gave them. I mean, my God, what a what a what a player she is! I mean, you know, mm. we were waxing about Smithy Mandana at the, the twenty seventeen World Cup. I mean, it's not as if she she played badly, but she's suddenly suddenly second fiddle in that opening partnership, which is just incredible. Um, but I digress a touch. But you know that, that that my point is that after England posted their total, you've got this initial jeopardy: is like, can they can this collapse carry on? happening quickly enough to get to the follow mark. Yes, it can. In they go again. Another collapse. Can they push it through all the way to the close? No, they can't. I mean, it, it was it was it was gripping and it was a race against time in 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 both senses. Uh that I thought was 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 a was a tribute to it, the fact it was over four days, not five. Um so you know, you you can argue both both directions, but you you can't argue you can't as as Matt alluded, you can't retrofit it. You can't say that, oh because we didn't have the fifth day, we missed out on a, on a hot finish. I'm not sure it's quite that simple. Uh, it was certainly gripping for as long as it, as long as it went. And you know, I was touched on 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 Verma's performance, but it wasn't just her. There were there were glorious performances up and down both innings. Actually, you know, Heather Knight's ninety five and Sophie Eccleston bowling bowling superbly again. Catherine Brunt just keep keeps on keeps on churning it out and. Pulling off blinding catches and all the rest of it. I mean, there's there's an awful lot to be excited about in in in. And I haven't even mentioned Sophia Dunkley either. I mean, her her uh, her debut knock of seventy four, a bit unfortunately declared. Really, I mean, I thought they could have kept walloping it for a bit longer and given her a chance to get to a hundred. Um, 
but it's 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 fascinating. I I I I enjoyed it. I didn't obviously being at the World Test Championship final. I didn't get a chance to to focus on it. But thanks to the rain, there were there was more opportunity to watch than than, than I perhaps uh, would have got. So it was there in the background in the press box, and and certainly you know the the Indian um, Indian men were were glued to it. I mean, by all accounts, they were talking to the talking to the batting coach uh, during one of the rain delays, and he said, "Yep, they're absolutely." Uh, four square behind behind the girls all the way through while they were sitting in their dressing room, twiddling their thumbs, playing table tennis, and thinking, "Nope, this will do. We'll, we'll sit down and watch the women's test." So that's a that's a great advert in itself. Just the the fact that you know for for that period during the great men's event, it was actually a major focus. It, initially, you know, the the, the 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 idea of scheduling it during this was again a bit of a slight to the women, but ultimately, it, it, strangely, thanks to the rain, it worked quite well. They it was it was the the for large periods of of the showpiece event it was the only show in town and uh, it was a great show to great show to watch as well mm. and um for for all uh, uh debate about uh, <laughs> length of the game from the outset and, and or the um whether the the pitch did enough to help the players um matt again weather was really uh the sport sport because they lost i think 50 or 50 odd overs on that third day um so that in fact over four days they played i think 325 overs or thereabouts uh with the odd uh two or three loss just for um turnarounds and all that sort of thing um but the the intention was to get sort of 400 overs in and if you hadn't have uh had had those delays then again you'd have expected england would probably yeah i think that, that probably was have got home. probably the difference really in the uh yeah in, in denying us a, a a grandstand finish of england trying to biff 100 in in no time but um yeah, I don't know. I I don't I don't think England looked at all threatening really in the last session and a half of the day and quite a lot of India's dismissals in the final innings were were poor shots or rushes of blood. I think Dipti Sharma there was a particularly, you know, uh, almost Shannon Gabriel-esque moment bottom edging one onto her stumps going for the big wind up having <laughs> gritted it out for 150 balls after being promoted to number 3, but um yeah, I think um yeah, obviously a shame about the rain and uh, and about the pitch, but I think despite all that, um, yeah, compared to I think there's there's sometimes you, I think um, for example the 2019 Ashes Test, I think sometimes if you sort of a supporter of the women's game, uh, it's very easy to try and make a sort of uh, a, a defence of a, a test that is really tough to watch. I think that was a, a particularly a dull game. It was a, a dour draw. Um, and I, I don't think anyone would really argue with that. Whereas this one was actually a really gripping draw um, that had something had you know wild swings in momentum throughout the, the four days, which um, yeah made it a really interesting watch. Good stuff. Um, three ODIs and three T20s to come, uh, Miller. And fair to say, there'll be much more of a focus on results there. With um, well, a World Cup, not least on the horizon for for these teams. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, the, the point system is coming into play again, and you know, two point two points on 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 the board is, you know, for all that you kind of want a, a result in your test match, you could argue that you know, if one seat one team had emerged with four points uh, up up on the board before you even started the main event, uh, so to speak, it, it would be a bit of a handicap, you know, potential for a bit of a damp squib. But now suddenly, it's essentially it's essentially nil nil. Going into into six more games and and I bring it on. Frankly, I, I think there's an awful lot of awful lot at stake and an awful lot that's um, 
I mean, we saw enough from from India to know that you know they, as you would expect from us from a side that uh, has the resources that, that that well certainly the human resources, if not if not the monetary ones, you know that they're gonna they're gonna be getting better and better and better, and the the, the quality of the young players coming through, I mean, Shafli Verma in particular, I mean, it's incredible. I think she's seventeen. Uh, but she's she's got a huge huge scope to 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 be as as good as she wants to be. Frankly, uh, Harman Preet Kaur, is, uh, you know, again, we we all remember remember her performance in 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 the semi final of the twenty seventeen World Cup. There's there's plenty to look forward to from her. Um, I I think it's it's set up nicely and and probably all the better for 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 the slight disappointment of of missing out on 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 four points either way in 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 Bristol. Good stuff, and just just time to touch on. I think before we go, the um, the big news of the week, of course. Um, now I'm not talking about Billy Godelman being removed from the Derbyshire captaincy, but um, Jack Leach made his T20 debut in the Blast. Uh, he did. I'm actually off to Taunton tonight to watch uh, <laughs> to watch game two. I'm, he's definitely going to be the story rather than you know the returning the glory of Devin Conway and Colin de Grandham dashing down the. The motorway to to make it in time for the blast and shake off their hangovers, but um, yeah, good good for good for Jack Leeds just after his thirtieth birthday. I don't think he ever expected it, but um, you know, I think uh, as he said during the uh, during the I think it was one of the Chennai tests uh, earlier this year, he he sort of already felt like he was playing in the IPL when when Pant was taking him on. Uh, when he was trying to sort of land it out in in the rough rough outside off stump, and Pant was playing a shot of ball to him, so that experience probably stood him in in decent stead for uh, you know a few overs of darts at Jamie Smith and and Will Jacks at the Oval. But yeah, intriguing blast season so far. I think we're about halfway through the group stage. Um, it's come thick and fast as it always does, uh, and yeah, I'd uh, I, I think there's there's some some. Uh, very very strong looking teams uh, in particular I think uh, I think Yorkshire look really good this year uh, and I would also implore anyone who's not already seen it to go and search out Glenn Phillips's uh, shot for Gloucestershire last night that's uh, quite rightly gone viral yeah indeed well if Jack Leach and coloured clothing doesn't inspire a generation then maybe Glenn Phillips uh, reverse <laughs> slog sweeping um, sixes will do um, <clears throat> right much like the Aegeus Bowl ground staff I think we've covered everything we needed to cover the international summer is in full swing and whatever happens in England versus Germany the cricket will be here as always to pick up the pieces afterwards my thanks to Miller and Matt and to you all for tuning in please feel free to rate us and leave a comment on your preferred pod provider and keep up to date with everything going on at espncrickinfo.com.